Welcome to Midnight Breakfast Cafe, where three pals talk about food, pop culture, and other nonsense. I'm Natalie. And I'm Tracy. And today we're talking about George R.R. Martin. <laughs> yes, there was some news recently that has got the internet in a tizzy, and I guess we ought to weigh in on it. <laughs> Do you want to explain what happened? Basically, there is not going to be another installment of Game of Thrones, the book form, this year, but there will be a super long TV show tie-in book. That's the weird part to me, is that it is still TV show related. What is the nature of this new project? It is called Fire and Blood, a tie-in book that he called A Monumental History of the Targaryen Kings of Westeros. Yeah, I think that what people are probably upset about is that, you know, it's one thing if you're sick of writing about Game of Thrones and you want to write something else, but you obviously do want to write about Game of Thrones. It's just you want to write about all that tasty history you came up with instead of all the drama that we are invested in seeing wrapped up. So where do you come down on this debate? Do you think he's justified in kind of writing whatever he wants or does he like owe something to his fans to continue the series that he started? I don't think you owe anything to your fans. <laughs> <laughs> when fans get too crabby about it, I just think about, like, Stephen King's misery. <laughs> yeah, seriously. I bet George R. R. Martin is terrified of just running into the wrong fan on the subway <laughs> one day. I don't know. He's also, like, a tough old man, so. That's true. You don't want to mess with them. It's one thing to feel like a quiet disappointment that the series you love will not be continued anytime soon, or like you're eager to see more and you won't have it, but that's not the same as like going onto the internet and raging to people about what you are owed as a fan of a series. I'm a fan of his as a storyteller and as a writer, I guess. I, I have not read all the books. I read the first two books and then I watched the show only. But then I was wondering if part of the reason that he has been sort of plagued by writer's block it seems in terms of continuing the main series is because people are kind of they care about the show now a lot and maybe he's like well I guess I don't have to do it anymore because the show is kind of taking it off of my shoulders <laughs> I think we should also take a moment to say like just how weird where it's like a political thriller plus yeah. fantasy novel plus like werewolf zombies Part of me is like, well, how are you going to tie this together? Because, like, there's, like, the gritty politics stuff. And then, like, the weird magic prophecy mythology part. Like, the two, they don't seem connected all that often. Yeah. And you can kind of see, like, how, like, religion kind of is, like, a rope bridge between the two. Yeah. Like, I don't know how he's going to do it. It feels like already in the show, the tonally, it's like really weird. And even in the show, I feel like they leaned harder on the nitty gritty, um, like down in the dirt, like real life parts of Game of Thrones than like the, like, I feel like they've totally underdone the warging part. A lot of the things that they cut were the more fantastical aspects. Mm -hmm. uh, and I think one of the reasons they did that was to make the story seem more down to earth because to a lot of people, this is their one fantasy thing that they watch and they kind of got into it because, you know, there's a lot of characters that you can kind of relate to and there's not too much tomfoolery, mm -hmm. but then there's zombies, which everybody understands. Yeah. So <laughs> whenever they try to bring in a concept that's really confusing to the average viewer like Warging, mm -hmm. they do it lightly and they don't overdo it. Yeah. So like the fact that I basically learned from you guys, the book readers, the importance that Wargame plays in the actual books. It's like, I think if they had done that, it would have alienated a lot of viewers, and that's why they didn't do it. 
So now the show in particular is going to have to answer for the fact that they ignored so many of these fantastical subplots and try to figure out a way to get it together. I guess like also like tonally, like there is that disconnect where the show kind of loses some of George R. R. Martin's like wry, mischievous, Machiavellian darkness of like setting up the reader. I think they've just streamlined it to the point that it it lost some of its character. So I think the fact that people are upset that it's not going to continue, it is based on that love for the original style that he brought to it. Mm -hmm. And like, you know, like you can't say that if somebody else finished the series, it would be just as good. They want him to do it. And that's why they're so they're banging down the door for him to get to it. But do they want him to do it? Because like, if they got like a regular person to do it, we would get a happy ending and um i don't think we're getting a happy ending like on the show i think we're gonna have like a hopeful ending and like mm. the book is called like a dream for spring or whatever but um i think if george R. R. martin like holds his course steady it's gonna be like fucked up and twisted <laughs> <laughs> that's true i i've often wondered about that i'm just curious to see how he would end it because then we know like his final stance on things because you can say like right now he's got a very dark view of the world but like it's not the end yet mm-hmm. like he we don't know if he's like a happy ending guy or a sad ending guy because it hasn't ended like all the shitty things that happened it could just be like okay well we've got to tear them down before we let them triumph but my guess would be no my <laughs> guess would be you're right and it's just gonna be like well maybe they succeed in that they don't die some of the characters but i'm guessing it's not gonna be like and the world was okay and everyone profited I don't know, I'm just thinking about Snowpiercer. <laughs> like, it's going to be a Snowpiercer ending. <laughs> Spoilers for Snowpiercer. <laughs> I, that's what I think it's going to be like. Is It's going to be like, okay, we don't know what happened to Arya, we don't know what happened to Daenerys, we don't know what happened to Jon Snow, but oh, you remember so-and-so? The kid who probably was cut from the books because the show writers did not know that he was going to be the one little poppet who made it past the apocalypse. (laughs) You know what? It's like Sweet Robin, like, makes it. Yeah, it's going to be something like that where, you know, the world after the series ends won't be the same one that we saw during it. Or they just, like, I think about Arya a lot in this context. Mm -hmm. Maybe Arya will have, like, an ending that makes her happy. But that would probably include her, like, murdering everyone she's ever met and, like, becoming a successful little wolf child of the forest. And just Mm -hmm. the Arya from the beginning wouldn't have wanted that. She would have wanted to be happy with her family and safe and good. And eh, it's probably not going to go down like that for her. Although in the show, I again, I don't know where the book ends on this storyline. But in the show, at least, she's back in Winterfell where she can be in a family uh, that loves her and is happy. For a while, until zombies come. Love is a relative term. I don't think Bran really loves anything anymore. Yeah, which again, like, if he has what is for him a happy ending, like, would Bran from, you know, the first five minutes of the first book have agreed that that's where he wanted to go in life before he got tipped out of a window? I don't think so. Yeah. So do you think Game of Thrones as a cultural phenomenon has changed people's understanding of morality? (laughs) Wow, that's a great question. I mean, I think that nobody who started watching this show as kind of their first fantasy thing. I I think the the kinds of people who started watching this show without having read something like this before, it's probably unique in terms of just showing them 
politically complex scenarios. Like, this isn't necessarily a fantasy thing, but it's more of a, I don't know, like high fantasy, I guess. I've just gone down a rabbit hole that I cannot crawl out of with that sentence. Um, You say a thing. Like, I was thinking that, like, over the course of watching Game of Thrones and, like, reading, not so much reading Game of Thrones, but, like, watching Game of Thrones, if I'm more comfortable with, like, morally ambiguous situations and, like, the ends justify the means sort of thinking where it's not like I would totally go for, you know, like, murdering people, but is this, has this made me more accepting of moral ambiguity in, like, my political leaders and in, like, the idea of leadership in, like, government and also in business? Yeah, that's interesting. I definitely think that I'm more likely to think about that when I'm assessing politics in terms of you know did they have a choice did they kind of were they were they the ones that made this decision or is it kind of just that's all that they could do given these options they had to pick the one that I guess seemed like it was going to cause the least amount mm-hmm. of havoc but mostly what this has taught me is that I would die a swift death if I was ever in a world like this it doesn't matter if I was a peasant or if I was royalty or what the scenario was I just I can't play that game I don't know how to do it, and I think I'd be bad at it. I think you're okay. You just need to make pies. That is the key. Yeah, I need to make pies. I need to get married, and I might be all right. Yeah. We'll be okay. So, you know, just, like, (laughs) make pies and pretend that you're a boy. Yeah, that could work, too. That's a hard life, though. (laughs) Being a pie maker? Pretending to be a boy in Game of Thrones (laughs) Land. (laughs) I mean, this isn't Alana the First Adventure. I'm going to be murdered. (laughs) Well, I don't know, like, I wonder if they're like, we should kill her. And they're like, but wait, then who's going to make the chicken pot pie? That's true. And they're like, you know what, we're just going to enslave you. Yeah, which depending on who is going to enslave me, maybe I'd just be like, you know what, this isn't so bad. Let's just keep it quiet and allow this to happen and hope the zombies don't arrive here. (laughs) I guess most people don't know about the zombies. Yeah. Maybe that's one reason I'm not a big fan of this universe. It's just that I don't feel that it's welcoming <laughs> to me as a lady, as a person who doesn't want to fight or doesn't want to politic. It's just like, what would I do here? Like, I kind of enjoy a, a world where, like, it's at least fun to fantasize about what I would be doing there. Like, Harry Potter worlds. There's a lot of options and they're all fun. Even most high fantasy worlds is like, oh, but if I had magic... I could be a cool magic person or I could even train to be a soldier and that would be, you know, not fun exactly, but I could at least have a sense of justice. Like I served a cause that I believed in and everything worked out okay. But this is not a world that you want to fantasize about living in. It's just real dire and it does change you when you think about what you would be doing in that world and you realize that you would be doing not, if not worse than as bad as most of these people are. Yeah, but I'm like wondering if the psychological models that George R. R. Martin uses are overly simplistic because it mostly boils down to like, I liked a girl and (laughs) it didn't work out. Like, I liked a girl, she didn't like me. I liked a girl, but she wasn't my wife. I liked a girl, but she was the sister of my enemy. I liked a girl, but she's my sister. (laughs) 
Yeah, that is true. That's what the girls are there for, is to be your downfall. Like, I do find that interesting in a way, because it's always those simple things that bring down these characters, you know? It's always their relationships. It's never like, oh, I did the wrong political move. It's always like, I pissed off the wrong person. Do you think that George R. R. Martin plans to finish the series? Or do you think that he has no intention of doing I so? I think he plans to finish the series. But I don't know if he knows how to do it. I'm saying, like, as if I know the man, which I don't. I've just, like, read his books and, like, kind of cursorily followed his blog. But it just seems like... I feel like he was the one who, like, wrote something about this where, like, writers are either, like, architects or gardeners. And he's a gardener. And his garden is just, like, really out of control. And he doesn't know how to rein it in. But he's still... Mm. Apparently, he really likes gardening. That's what it seems like. Is he's, He likes to play in his world. He likes to kind of develop things and to work on his mythology. But it's whatever it is that happens when you try to develop a plot that is coherent. He's having trouble with it. Which, you know, as a fan of Lost, the most convoluted show there ever was, I don't care when people start things and they don't know how they're going to end. It doesn't bother me. Like, people say that in an accusatory tone. Like, you didn't know how the mystery was going to be solved. You just made the mystery. I'm just like, yeah, well, that's, you know, understandable for a show that nobody knows whether it would run past the first season. So I'm wondering if George R. R. Martin started this series and he was imagining, like, three books. And the fact that people liked it so much and that he had so much content he wanted to put and he felt like expanding it, Mm -hmm. it just delayed what he should have had to wrap up sooner than that. And so it's created this, like, constantly growing garden, like you say. Mm-hmm. And he still hasn't decided how he likes to conclude it. But, but I don't think he's, like, a mystery. He's not like J.J. Abrams in, like, a mystery box. A little, though. I mean, there are some mysteries that are kind of hidden at the core of his world, and he must know what the answers well, are. Well, I feel like, and I might be completely wrong because I did not watch Lost, but I did watch Alias and I found it very frustrating towards the end, is that, like, <laughs> I do not like to be led along with the promise of solving a mystery. Mm. And then I felt, feel like George R. R. Martin was like, I don't think that was his intent. It was kind of like, he was like, oh, wouldn't it be cool if, and then, like, it got away from him. Right. But I mean, do you think people would be satisfied if he never revisited any of the stuff that they still have questions about? Of course like, not. Like, we say that there's this, there's this like, divide between, like, the political storyline and the fantasy storyline. Like, what if he just resolved the political storyline and the fantasy storyline was like, well, they did kill everyone, so I guess we'll never know. <laughs> well, people are never happy. So I feel like there would be a large contingent of very unhappy fans. But then that opens up for, you know, 50 years of fan fiction. But then again, like, I keep saying this as if I know for sure that he's never going to finish it. But I think this is a theory of mine that he doesn't plan to. Oh, really? It's just like... Yeah, I don't know why, but it's just like, I think he'll write at least one more book, and then I think he's just going to be like, eh, eh, it'll happen at some point, and then it never will. He has like a few other series, right? Like he has this like wild card series? or I don't believe he's interested in telling the rest of the story in a straightforward manner. I think he's interested in all the world building stuff, but so, I mean, if he tries to write other things in the meantime, that would be natural for a writer like Brandon Sanderson who has this just immense output and never seems to stop writing for even one minute and, like, publishes five books a year. 
that's like understandable for him but like for George R. R. Martin if he's not finishing his series at this point I'm like he doesn't want to he doesn't care it's fine I'm not judging him <laughs> I'm just saying like he's he's got other things on his mind but it's like if you you started writing something when you were a teenager and then like 20 years later people are hounding you to finish it that's sort of from our timeline what it would be like for George R. R. Martin you know like, imagine looking back on that and being like, I don't care about that anymore. That was my early life nonsense. Now I'm ready to move on to something else. Like, mm-hmm. I didn't finish it. Okay, whatever. But mm, I don't know. I think just because this is so famous and so well-loved, he's got himself in a pit because he's probably going to have to do it. <laughs> but but I'm wondering if people would rather him write a shitty ending, you know? Like, what if it was not going to be good? Would you rather him never write it, or would you rather him be like, fine, here's your ending, and he slaps out some nonsense? So, why do you watch Game of Thrones? I mean, I watch it because it is an interesting world to me, and because it's basically the only fantasy game in town right now, if you're talking about this style of high fantasy. Mm-hmm. And I like that it's it's lovingly crafted by everybody involved. So, <laughs> the things that make me interested in the show, I think, are different than the things that people like about the books. Which is why I'm more invested in the show than the book. Like, because I even, like, I struggle to say that, like, I love Game of Thrones. Like, it is not an intrinsic part of my identity. It is not, like, a huge part of my person. Um, I, yeah. I do not spend a lot of my every day thinking about Game of Thrones and, like, agonizing over <laughs> Game of Thrones. And at this point, it's mostly when I watch the show, it's, like, the spectacle of the show. Yeah. And the spectacle of, like, the media surrounding it. Like, I love Game of Thrones almost as much as I enjoy... No, I love it more. (laughs) (laughs) Game of Thrones is frustrating and upsetting at times. And Game of Thrones is just fun. Yeah, I totally get that. It's like when Westworld came back and I was like, well, I have zero interest in watching this, but how could I miss all those tasty Westworld discussions? Yes. And so... I tried to go back into it, but uh, you know what? I don't think it's happening. So, yeah, no, it's like not the show. It's the water cooler. (laughs) That's right. Yeah. I really, I I get this feeling, which I guess the kids would call FOMO, (laughs) when I am not watching the new big thing that everyone likes. Like, do I want to see the new Avengers movie? It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter what I want. I'm going to watch it (laughs) because I don't want to be the one who has to learn the spoilers online. And has to be like, oh, well, I wonder whatever happened to Thor. Oh, well. Like, I just, I want to be able to talk about it, I guess. Yeah. And I think, like, we've been kind of talking about how toxic the fan communities are. But a lot of the fan communities are also really fun. Yeah. Yeah. Sometimes I watch something just because it'll be fun to see the memes afterwards. Or it'll be fun to go on that community and see what everybody's railing about. Mm -hmm. No, like, I like how you were, like... You know, the show is, like, lovingly created, and then I think about, like, Jon Snow's, like, lovingly created stick figures in that cave that he showed Daenerys. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I mean, they haven't always made the best decisions, but they always put a lot of money into it, and that's the important thing. Like, another interesting thing about the show for me is just how much of it revolves around money. The whole, will there or will there not be dragons in this episode is like, well, let's just do some quick math on our heads. Can dragons afford to be in this episode? (laughs) Or are we saving them? (laughs) 
there's no other thing I can think of where that enters into my opinion of a show. Is like, well, I wonder if they could afford to do one of these or if they're going to save it for when they have finale money. Mm-hmm. But now they've got all the finale money, yeah. so we're going to see some true nonsense. And I kind of wish they doled it out a little bit more where you know like the last two episodes are going to be the most expensive. <laughs> and probably like the third most expensive episode is probably like the first episode to just kind of give you a little bit of taste. <laughs> well, I think it's like a trope at this point, kind of like when the detective calls everyone into the parlor. That's like the second to last episode of Game of Thrones. It's just like, now it's time to get all our characters together and give them a giant budget and see what happens. <laughs> I just pictured, you ever see those photos where it's like a guy at a party, but they're all him? <laughs> you know, like he took a picture of himself in a bunch of different poses and then put them all together in Photoshop. Like he's the one, like every person at his party is him. I want there to be a Game of Thrones battle where they're all Jon Snow. <laughs> I don't know then, like, would there even be a battle or would they, like, look sadly into each other's eyes and have a conversation? It's just the Jon Snow uh, therapy room. Are they yeah. all? It's like Jon Snow Anonymous? Can you be anonymous if you're Jon Snow? <laughs> I lost my thread for sure. <laughs> because Jon Snow isn't even that chatty of a character. It will be like, hi, my name is Jon Snow and I'm sad. <laughs> and it will be like, Jon Snow, why are you sad? And he's like, I don't know. Maybe it's because I'm a bastard. And then it's like, okay, Jon Snow, can can we, we talk a little bit more about this? And he's like, well, I've been told all, all my life that I'm a bastard. And then we're like, okay, Jon Snow, like, we need a little more interiority in there. That's why you would have to have them fight. To get them all talking together, it would be, it, it would not go anywhere. I feel we have said all there is to say about Game of Thrones. And not only that, but we must record our other podcast, which is only about Game of Thrones. <laughs> when the time comes the people of the internet care so much more about this than i do like i'm trying to think about your friend who's like have a fruitful conversation for once so it's like okay fruitful let's talk about serious topics <laughs> but i don't have anything to say about these fools they're gonna do what they're gonna do so i just started watching scandal have you seen that show i think i've seen like one episode of scandal how are you liking it so i'm i'm on the second season and i already like the second season less than the first season but you know like that's pretty typical of like sophomore seasons right the show like repeatedly undercuts itself carrie washington's character is called olivia pope and Olivia Pope always trusts her gut, and her gut is always right. But then, like, you learn that Olivia Pope's gut is always wrong. Olivia Pope doesn't believe in crying, but she cries in, like, every episode. Wait, what do you mean she doesn't believe in crying? <laughs> is it, like, where she's trying to be tough in front of everybody, but secretly she's got the yes. tender heart of a lady? Yes. Is that kind of thing? <laughs> and, but it's, like, so you get to see her... And, you know, Carrie Washington's, like, incredibly gorgeous. And she has, like, these, these like, very full lips that tremble when she is thinking about crying. And then, you know, she's a Washington fixer. She should be a tough old broad who is used to scandal and ugliness. But she just, she looks appalled a lot of the time. And then, like, I don't know why I'm noticing this all the time now. But it's just, like, Olivia Pope. Amazing, brilliant, competent, successful woman falls in love with white guy who is married of course 
to another beautiful, competent, brilliant, intelligent, successful woman. And I was like, why are you all successful, competent people marrying that schlub? What's so great about him? He's just some white guy. He's not even that good looking. He may be president, but we all know it's because he's like a a six foot tall white guy. And then like occasionally he will do something kind of sucky. His vice president is like... I'm not going to support you on this bill. And he's like, well, I know your daughter had an abortion. And I was like, that is cold hearted. And then like, he's like, la la la, I'm a great person. I am leader of the free world. And so is this like a guy who were wishing for his downfall the whole show? Because I'm kind of wishing for his downfall just hearing about him. Well, like for me, it's mostly confusion. It's like Jon Snow. He's like kind of Jon Snow, but older and less attractive. (laughs) Where everyone's all talking about how great Jon Snow is. Like, everyone's always talking about how, like, great President Fitzwilliam Grant is. The third. (laughs) What a name. I think it's like that protagonist syndrome where, you know, forces that we cannot see are just bringing everyone into revolve around this character only because the writer decided that they were the protagonist. But I've always really liked stories where that doesn't seem to be the case. You know, where the other characters are going on as if the protagonist is not even there or they don't seem to understand that they're the one who's the most important because they got their name on the back of the book. Mm -hmm. But I like, I guess, if this if this guy is really as kind of useless as you say, that he's not actually the protagonist. You know, we've got this other lady who we're rooting for and that maybe she will one day forget all about him and go on to bigger and better things. Yeah, she could do so much better. They could all do so much better. I don't know if it's just like a gender bias thing now. Like, I am the one who has the gender bias where it's like, oh, you're a white dude? Well, you gotta prove stuff to me now. No, I totally feel that. I've really changed the way I, I think of characters. I don't know. I When I was younger, I didn't care so much. But now I'm just like, if I'm gonna read a book with a male protagonist, you got to tell me why Mm -hmm. right away. Like, you really need to show me that this is worth my time and attention. Or I think I'd just rather be reading about a lady. Just anybody who's not just straight, white, American man having adventures and sleeping with women. I don't care about that. And I'm not trying to say that, you know, I am just totally biased now against anything that a man made or that has a male protagonist. But it really does have to be something unique, something that seems like it's worthwhile before I can even care about it. Like, one show that uh, we watched the pilot of recently was Ozark. So, like, we start watching this show, and I'm just like, Crime Guy? Is that him? Is that Crime Guy? I don't care. Turn it off. (laughs) Because I'm like, okay, we've seen Breaking Bad, and we've seen The Sopranos. No more Crime Guy. I'm just okay never hearing about Crime Guy again. And I would define Crime Guy as, like, just... The anti-hero who's doing some crimes and, like, ruining every aspect of his life. And he's got, like, an annoying wife and kids who will become interesting in season three. And it's just like, I don't care. I don't I don't want to know about Crime Guy and all of his Crime Guy friends. Okay, so what would be the show that you want to watch now? Okay, I don't know if we've talked about this show, but it sort of runs adjacent to Crime Guy. It's a show called Counterpart. It's basically about a guy who he's just living his normal life. He works for kind of like a he's like an office guy at a company and his wife is in a coma. So he's kind of like every day he goes to the hospital and he brings her flowers and like he's living kind of like a sad mundane existence. But then early spoilers, he discovers that there's a parallel world that like runs uh, adjacent to our own. 
in which like the version of him that's on the other side is like a badass spy guy and the badass spy guy has like you know about this i do know about this this is that character actor guy from the drumming movie yeah and what is his name (laughs) i can't remember it (laughs) jk simmons so good for him he's so good in this show one of the reasons i love this show is because he is so not crime guy and like the other one is the other one is like exactly the badass anti-hero that you would come to expect but then he comes bumbling into this world just like what's everybody doing can i just stay at home and <laughs> play chess with my friend or not chess they play go that's the big game that is a metaphor for the whole show but <laughs> and it's kind of like a descent into crime guyism because of course he gets embroiled in all this and he, you know, has to participate. But he's good-hearted. And his good-heartedness is, like, the one unpredictable thing about him. And it kind of gives him an edge that nobody saw, you know? So it's, like, it's the anti-crime guy in a certain way. And this is, like, a guy, he's just, like, straight white man having adventures. But he's so good-hearted that I, I like him anyway, you know? I want him to be happy. And I want him to succeed. And I don't want him to descend into total madness of crime guyism. And so that's like the central issue with the show. So like, I guess this doesn't totally go against the grain in the way that I was talking about. But I don't know. I just like that it at least is playing with the tropes a little bit. You know, it's trying to, you know, they could have cast a much younger man. That's another thing. They could Mm -hmm. have cast some handsome dude who I don't care about at all. But instead they cast somebody who's like my dad's age and who is gentle and who's not really wanting to have anything to do with this world but yeah so it's interesting in that way oh man or like another kind of character i'm not particularly interested in is the my wife was murdered character and must now seek revenge or i don't know having a better life now that everything's been wrecked like We've seen a lot of those. Do we have a show where it's like, my wife was murdered, but we were estranged and I didn't like her very much. So now I feel really guilty and torn up between what I'm supposed to do because like I'm better off now because I got her like great inheritance and stuff. But um, <laughs> but I'm also like, you know, it kind of sucks that she got murdered because it sucks when you know anyone who gets murdered because like that's like mortality and whatever. But you've been out of love of her for like five years. Yeah, I can't think of one like that, but I feel like that's more of a something that would happen in like a detective story, because then you would have that sense of detachment. Or it's just like, well, I guess I'll investigate because I'm a detective, but I'm not gonna like it. And it's like even better if he's he has an airtight alibi, so he doesn't even have like I'm the prime suspect excuse. Right. <laughs> Although I like the trope, I'm the prime suspect. That's one of the ones I can do with. There should be a show called I'm the Prime Suspect. (laughs) (laughs) Oh my god. So, we just got, like, should he be a detective if he's also the Prime Suspect, or is it good enough that he's the Prime Suspect? I think it's, like, every episode, it's, like, some person who's the Prime Suspect, and it's, like, this law firm or this pro bono team where every episode someone bursts through the door and is like, I'm the prime suspect! Dun-dun-dun. But I feel like that could be played for laughs. Like, if they come in <laughs> the door the same way every single time, like Kramer, eventually the detective's gonna just be like, what is my life? Why is this happening to me? Is this a Truman Show kind of thing? <laughs> Maybe, but, like, every, you know, every so often they would have, like, a cold open. 
like where something unexpected is happening and you're like, I wonder how this is going to end with someone bursting in a door saying I'm the prime suspect. <laughs> that would always. No, I think that would be great because after a while it's like. Or at a certain point, the detective has just like gone somewhere else trying to avoid <laughs> these people who continue bursting in. So he's just like at a bus station and he's like, he thinks he's gotten away, but then somebody bursts in the bus door. I'm the prime suspect. <laughs> This isn't a show, it's just like a funny or die short. Exactly. <laughs> uh, I'm a fan of like jokes being pushed past their natural ending point time and time again. It could be like a show within a show, like the soap opera that House likes to watch. <laughs> <laughs> like you just get a glimpse on TV whenever there's a TV in the room of somebody <laughs> bursting in. <laughs> yes. Or like one of those fake movies in Seinfeld where like everyone is just like, oh, I'm such a big fan of I'm I'm the prime suspect. I can't wait to see who the prime suspect is going to be this week. Oh, my God. I read such a great short story recently. Uh It's in the book called Her Body and Other Parties. This is a good book, but it's a scary and disturbing book. It's a book of short stories where basically the theme is like women's bodies. Not always so great, you know, (laughs) like uh, how people treat women's bodies in society. And like it's got that Kelly Link slipstream kind of quality where nothing ever makes sense. But one of the stories, and I think it's called Particularly Heinous Crimes. And so it's basically a short story that's fake episode summaries for like a version of CSI SVU. Mm -hmm which is, like, full of ghosts and weirdos and nonsensical happenings. Like, at one point, there are just evil twins who come in and do a much better job than the regular detective. <laughs> yeah, something about the, the quality of that short story, mm-hmm. like, that dreamlike, nonsensical horror, it kind of reminds me of this, this <laughs> dumb show that we have come up with. I think I, think I recommend that short story only out of that collection if you're looking for this type of thing. Particularly heinous crimes. But maybe that's why I never watch these types of procedurals, episode-by-episode crime shows, is just that they all are trying to out-grizzly each other. Like, whenever I'm in a hotel room and I'm watching, like, whatever, I don't even know if it is CSI anymore or if it's some knockoff that has become the new CSI. But it's always just, like... And her body was cut up by tiny pieces of glass from the art exhibition that she was working on. And it was her ex-boyfriend who was just a dick. Mm-hmm. That's all we know. It's like, that was the story? That was the whole story. Is he killed her because he was jealous. And that was it. It's like, that's every episode that I've seen of this show. Why am I watching this? If it's just ladies being murdered over and over and over again. I don't know. if it is it just like women are like, we don't like this anymore? That must be a part of it. Like, think about the backlash every time there's a rape depicted in a TV show now. It used to be you could kind of get away with that. But now you know that if you put that in the show, it's going to get the rage of the internet for, like, the next week. Are you even going to do it anymore? Or are you going to try to find some way to make your story work without it? Which is actually super easy. Yeah, like, we can just have regular murder. Right, or, like, any number of other atrocities that show how badass your villains are. Like, I, I don't care. It's just nobody wants to see that anymore on TV. Uh, and not just on TV, but, like, on a casual show. Like, people watch CSI every night, like, as a way to wind down. Mm-hmm. It's just murder, murder, rape, murder, 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 rape, incest, murder, rape. It's like, why? Why do you want to watch this every night? I don't understand. Well... We watch Game of Thrones. That's true. I don't see how we have anything to complain about. (laughs) (laughs) 
I think Game of Thrones is kind of, if they had to do it all over, they might have done it differently. They should have listened to the people who were really angry about that from the beginning, and they could have done something about it. But I think that it's different from a show that's just like, we show crime. That's all we show is the crime. Mm -hmm. So I hope you like crime because here it is. I'm now, now I, once you made that point, I was like, what is Game of Thrones like if there are no brothels? I think it wouldn't change much. Like, you didn't have to have the brothels. You could have even just mentioned the brothels and never shown them or mm -hmm. not have prostitutes be an important part of the story. And I don't really think the richness of your world would be reduced by very much at all. And somebody will say, but they did go to brothels. They're soldiers. It was important that we tell everybody that they did. It's like, but why? Why? doesn't matter. It yeah. didn't make a big difference in the grand scheme of things. Or they're just having a really good meal and, like, the camera is lingering over it. It's just like, <laughs> the meal was an important thing to show. We needed everyone to know that in this time, people ate delicious chicken dinners almost constantly. <laughs> so... <laughs> No, like, it has to be, like, because, like, the thing about the brothel scenes is that they're always kind of funny. Like, because they're true. always kind of absurd. And, like, we need to find a replacement that is, like, equally absurd. Right. But another reason this is, like, annoying is just because that's where we put the lady characters. If we didn't show brothels, we would have to come up with another way to have lady characters. Okay, the woman would run the restaurant. The woman would be the shoemaker. Mm -hmm. Like, that's what they would then have to do. And then they would feel like, okay, we did it. We put our ladies in the show. Like, what do you mean? Like, matron of inn? No, it's just like, they know they can't have zero female characters. And they know they don't want to have, like, female protagonists run in the place. So they just put in, like, a lot of whores. <laughs> no, I just had this, like, really stupid idea. What's that? Where they have, like, a guild of lady doctors. Not doctors who treat lady conditions, but doctors who are ladies. <laughs> and then so we we keep like the brothel sex stuff in but instead of showing the brothel it's always like i'm here for my syphilis examination <laughs> oh, i love that the guild of lady doctors and then could they also secretly be assassins because they have all the scalpels and shit <laughs> yeah so like all these important conversations would be like in the waiting room or like waiting for your prescription to be filled and then they would be, like, high-class lady doctors with, like, secret back entrances because they catered to the elite. Yeah. So they would be, like, spy master lady doctors, assassins. Or, like, owning a lady doctor uh, clinic is, like, a sign of great wealth. And, like, Littlefinger right now, he, like, runs all this, the whores. But it's, like, what if he's just, like, that's right, all these lady doctor establishments are under my thumb. That's why I always know what's going on <laughs> in the city because you know that a man loves to chat with his lady doctor about all of his secrets. <laughs> well, you also have to tell your doctor, like, all these things. Like, if you were, like, around the docks and got a bad scrape, you're like, oh, yeah, I must tell my lady doctor that I was on the docks. And then she's like, little finger, he has a smuggling operation. <laughs> yeah, or you would just have an awareness of, like, who was kind of sleeping with everybody because like if somebody got pregnant you would learn about that if somebody got stds you would learn about that so you'd probably be able to yeah. suss out all sorts of scandals that way this would be a much funnier show but it would not be a sexier show no i think it's important that the lady doctors all just be dressed like actual lady doctors <laughs> no well it's just because stds are not sexy so it would just like dramatically lower 
<laughs> the sassiness of the Game of Thrones show. Where, like, Because you know, like, if there were STDs, everyone would have them. Yeah. But I also would like it if the lady doctors had, like, a fantasy aspect to them. Like, they're much better at curing that kind of thing, which is how they get so many clients. And then it would be like, because it's like Littlefinger, it would be like, I enter this tea shop and it becomes a lady clinic. <laughs> it's a secret. <laughs> they gotta go into the secret door on the side. Yeah. Because no one wants to be like, oh, like so-and-so was seen entering a lady clinic, so we know what's going on. <laughs> Man. So I like how this implies, just from the world-building standpoint, that lady <laughs> doctors are illegal. <laughs> <laughs> no, like, okay, so like you have like... If you're, like, super famous, you don't want people to know that you're sick, like, ever. Yeah. So we have, like, secret lady clinics, and then we have lady clinics making house calls. But there are also, like, public lady clinics for your everyday soldier. So there would be, like, a scene of just, like, I don't know, uh, the king is knocking on his son's room. And, like, the door opens, and he's in bed in a compromising position, and a lady doctor just saunters out. She's just like, don't worry, I mm -hmm. took care of it. And he's just looking sheepish. It's like... <laughs> And he's just like, what have you yeah. been up to? It's like, nothing. Just got injured. Jousting. <laughs> they will replace the horrors in that there are like, will be one lady doctor named Roz. And she apparently does everything. Yeah. <laughs> She's everywhere. Small town lady doctor goes to the big city would be her storyline. <laughs> <laughs> and then she can still get murdered by um, a crossbow because she knew too much. Yeah, I think that would be a common thing for the lady doctors then. They would get embroiled in more political situations. But they would also have more agency. So in the end, I think it would be an okay trade-off for them. In the Game of Thrones world, at least. Any other thoughts? I think we were winding down. I'm actually super hungry. <laughs> I didn't eat any breakfast, so... Do we have any recommendations this week? I guess my recommendation would be Scandal. I don't have any strong recommendations this week. I feel like I've just been reading a ton of books, and they've been okay. But one book that I liked more than I thought I would was the book Me Before You which you might know because of movie posters featuring Daenerys Targaryen. Mm -hmm. uh, mm -hmm. <laughs> so, like, this is, like, the premise of the book is just, like, this girl is forced to become, like, a not, like, a nurse exactly, but kind of a companion for a guy who's quadriplegic and lives in a wheelchair. Mm -hmm. But it's a love story, sort of. And it makes it sound really dumb and just not my kind of thing at all. But I think because the story is centered around this girl who's just, like, I don't know what I want to do in life. I guess I'll take this job, but probably there are other jobs I could do if I was putting my mind to it. Like, it focuses on her, like, not knowing where to go in life woes, and that's kind of what she's working mm -hmm. through with this guy, it, more so than, like, a romance, is he's like, come on, I'm in a wheelchair, I can't do anything, you've got to go live your life like a person who is not just completely bored all the time, come on. And that's kind of the dynamic that they have, and it's kind of fun. So, yeah, I would recommend that book, but not the movie, because it's not supposed to be so good. So, in the end, does she, like, end up, like, living her life for him? Well, do you want me to spoil it? It's got, like, a spoiler ending. <laughs> but I guess, like, what made this book interesting to me is, like, during the first 20 pages of this book, I was just like, uh-uh, uh-uh, this is the worst, I'm not interested. And then, like, I really came back around on it more than I thought I would, which always pleases me in a book, like... You know, you can't judge a book by its horrible movie poster with Daenerys Targaryen on it. Thanks for listening to Midnight Breakfast Cafe. To get the latest episodes, you can subscribe on your favorite podcast app or follow us on Twitter at MBC Podcast. You can find links to things we mentioned this episode at midnightbreakfastcafe.wordpress.com. And if you're enjoying the show, please like and review us on Apple Podcasts. It helps new listeners to find us. 
Happy breakfast and brunch, everyone. The hardest part of that outro is... Where is it? Links to things. Links to things. Links to things. <laughs>